ask you to open them up today uh, to the book of Genesis chapter 12. And uh, I want to share with you a message today about a new series that we are starting this morning on Limitless God, about taking the limits and, li- and a limitless God and living a limitless life, living a limitless life. And uh, today we're going to talk about limitless faith, because I, you know, I'm a faith preacher. I believe in faith. I believe in having faith. I believe that all things are possible uh, to those who believe. I believe God answers prayer. I believe all those things. And uh, I believe that we can have faith and move mountains by, as Jesus taught us to do, by speaking to the mountain. And I've seen a lot of mountains move. A lot of great things happen. And so I just really want to I really want to challenge you this morning about your faith as we go into this new year and as we're kind of wrapping things up and where are we going and what are we doing. So I have a couple questions I want to ask you. One is, what limits have you placed on God in your life right now? And we all do this. You know, I know that we say, well, I don't put any limits on God. But we really do because of the way we act and the way we talk. All right. So those are the two things. Your faith is manifested in two aspects, the way you talk and the way you act, all right? So that's how your faith shows up. So look, if, you're ta- if you say, well, I believe something, but that's not the way I talk, then you're in what they call cognitive dissonance, which means that what you believe is not lining up with what you say or do. So if we're going to actually operate, you know, to operate by what we believe, then our talk would be different and our actions would be different. See, how, does somebody, how do we know somebody has faith? Well, not just because it's an internal thing. We know they have faith because their actions change, because their talk changes, the way they communicate changes, the way they talk about themselves, the way they, you know, the way they communicate about their marriage, the way they talk about their finances, the way they, they talk about their God, the way they talk about their children. All those things are indicative of what our faith really looks like. And sometimes I think we fool ourselves into thinking that, well, I'm not putting any limits on God, but it's when you and I, when we face the challenges of life, we find out maybe we really are putting limits on God. Maybe there are aspects of our life that, well, I believe that, but I kind of don't believe that too. You know, like the one guy that came to Jesus and said, help my unbelief. (laughs) Help me, Lord. I believe, but boy, there's some things about this I'm really struggling with believing. And and that's not, we shouldn't ever think in the body of Christ that that's a bad thing, that we recognize that we have unbelief. We shouldn't belittle people for that, and we shouldn't ridicule people for that. We should actually help people because they, we need to recognize that's where they are. You know, when I go pray for people, I don't tell them where I'm at to pray for them. I find out where they're at to pray for them. Because, you know, it doesn't do any good for me to pray something that they can't agree with. Are you all here? So, you know, I'm there saying you're going to live and not die and declare the works of your God, and they're wanting to die. Well, look, you're not going to keep them alive, okay? So you could say that. You know, I've, I've had that happen. My, my dad, I mean, you know, God bless him. He's in heaven now. My dad, at the end of his life, I said, Dad, what do you want to do? He says, I want to go to home to be with the Lord. I said, all right, Dad, then that's how I'll agree with you. Well, we had a family member that absolutely said that my dad was not going to die. 
And I said, look, you cannot go against what he believes. You can try, but you're not, it isn't going to work because it's between him and God. It's not between you and God and him. Are you all here? So, you know, we, when I pray for the sick, I find out where the sick are at. Where, what, are, what can you believe? Where, where is your faith today? What can you believe for? That's why we started this year, you know, talking about being confident. That's why God spoke the way he did, be confidently cautious. Because, look, just because someone has faith to live a certain way doesn't mean everybody has faith to live that way. Okay? You say, well, how do you know that? Because of the way they talk. And the way they act. Man, this is really good preaching, Pastor. The Israelites, you know, they, they were amazing people. And in Psalm it says that they limited the Holy One of Israel. I mean, they, they actually put limits on God. And how did they put limits on God? By the way, they talked. Let's go back to Egypt. This is terrible. We can't do this. Nothing good's going to come out of this. I mean, even though we had all these miracles happen and all these tremendous things... Miracles do not build faith. They can inspire faith, but they don't build faith. Faith comes through here and here and through the word of God. And so here you have the Israelites, man. They're like, we're going to die in the wilderness. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. It's just it. That's it. We should have stayed where we were at. We would have been better off if we had never stepped out and done any of this. And then they got mad at Moses and they were mad at his leadership. And they were, you know, just so when they saw Pharaoh coming and all these things and they're parked up against the Red Sea. Then they get to the promised land. They get through all those things. The miracles happen. They get up to the, will, to the promised land. And they again, their faith is manifested. We, we know God's great, but we're not. We can't do anything about this. Nothing's going to happen. So it challenged the way they talked, and it challenged the way they acted. So let me give you a little insight here. I'm not preaching on this particularly this morning, but you act the way you talk. And if you don't like the way you act, change the way you talk. Wow. So what limits have you placed on God? You know, Sharon, I, and I've given her permission to do this, but when I say things that Sharon, that Sharon and I, we've talked about that we're believing God for, and I'm talking contrary to it, we've given each other as husband and wife permission to correct each other. And say, hey, is that really what you want to have, you know, happen? Is that really what you're, I mean, there have been times, and my son's here, so this is nothing against, no indictment against him. But, you know, I mean, there have been times we're just like, all our kids are going to hell. I mean, this is just. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, but. <laughs> I mean, it just, I'm not, sometimes it could feel that way, okay? And so I know I'm preaching to the choir with some of you on that, but, but here's the thing. See, when, when, when we're in that point, look, that's not what we really want, and that's not what we really want to believe. But along the way, because of circumstances, we've started to believe something different. And so, you know, sometimes if Sharon will say something like that, I'm just using that as one example, but, uh, you know, or I'll say it, and we, go, we say to each other, that's not what we were believing for. That's, and so what we have to do is we have to change the way we talk because, look, if you think your kids are going to hell, then that's how you treat them. 
Because remember, how you talk is how you act. And people won't disappoint you. They'll act exactly like what you're believing about them. Oh, man, that's really good preaching. What limits have you placed on God? How have you allowed, and here we go, the experiences of your past or the testimonies of others to shape your expectation of what God will or will not do for you? You know, I find that at times that, you know, when I'm believing God for something and I'm praying and maybe I'm talking with someone about it and they'll come along, those people will have some kind of negative report that that isn't going to work, that you can't do, you know. Well, I know people that they believe for that and die. They, you know, you got to watch because they'll say these, and the Bible says, in fact, God talking about the Israelites when they pulled this off and said, we can't go into the promised land. He said they brought an evil report. And some of us have evil reporters in our lives. That when, when, they, when we're believing, we can't even tell them what we're believing for because all they're going to do is give an evil report about it. So you can't allow the testimonies and your past experiences to be what shapes your expectation. Now, it's the truth. It did happen, okay? So we're not, we're not in denial here. Where you've been is your truth, but that's not your future, okay? And you can't allow where you've been to shape your expectation of what God will or will not do for you. In Webster's Dictionary, the word limit means Something that binds, restrains, or confines to the utmost extent. To be limitless means to be boundless and without constraint. So if you found Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, uh, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I'm going to make you a great nation. I'll bless you and I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here's Abram, Sarah. They're living among what his father and his family is the, in the, they're Chaldeans. Chaldeans, it's, uh, they're moon worshipers. They don't, they believe in a God, but they worship the moon. And so they're in idolatry. And so this is who Abram is around. This is who he lives with. And he's not even called Abraham yet. He's just called Abram and Sarai. And so they're among these people. And the first thing God says to them is, look, you got to go. You got to get out of here. You got to get away from these people. You got to get into the, go to the land. I'm going to bless you. But the first thing you got to do is to go. And so to have limitless faith, point one, begins with availability, not ability. Abram did not have everything he needed when he started out, but he was available. Abram didn't have all the faith he needed for the miracle that he needed in his life. But he didn't wait until he had all the faith. He was available. And I've found that with God and the way that God works is, is that if we want to step into a limitless life, we have to be available. We can't put restraints, you know, put limits on God that, you know, well, I'm not ever going to do that. Be careful what you tell God you won't do. Right? Be careful when you say, God, I'll, I'll never serve in children's ministry, or I'll never work with youth, or I will never do, you know, be an usher. I'll never, look, be careful what you tell, because it's like when you tell God that, it's almost like he's going, okay, watch what happens. 
Right. So to have limitless faith begins with availability, not ability. Availability. You know, we talk in the, one of our lessons that we teach about how to becoming a part of the church and how to grow in your you know, service to God is, is that, one, you've got to have talent and you've got to have teachability. Now, uh, I would rather have somebody that's teachable than somebody that's talented. I like talent. And everybody's got some talents. But to be teachable, you can teach, you can teach to a certain extent talents to people. When you deal with somebody and they know it all, you can't really help those folks. You can't take them any further than where they are. We all know that's true. You know, when they keep saying, yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that, well, then they're not very teachable at that point. They're basically resting on whatever talents they already have. So I love this, what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 14. And you'll know this verse. He said, many are called and few are chosen. Or as one of my friends said, many are called, few are chosen, some were cold and a few were frozen. So... So the call is put out, but those who are chosen. Now, when you look at this, there's this whole theology that's developed off of this idea that somehow God's picking and choosing who he's, you know, he's out picking different people saying, well, I choose this one, but I don't choose that one. So that God calls everybody, but he doesn't pick everybody. So, and, and so this idea develops that, you know, that somehow that, some people God has decided to bless and some people God has decided to curse. Now, and we don't have time to get into that today, but it is a theological idea. I don't agree with it, but uh, it's, a, it's an idea that has existed for a long time. Whole denominations have been started over it. If you look at this verse in the context of what's happening when Jesus, he just taught a parable about the invitation that's sent out to everybody, Right? The invitation is given to everyone, and people didn't come, so he says, invite more. Go out in the highways and byways, invite more people, all right? So they go out and invite, and all these people come. Well, a guest shows up at this deal, at the party, and this great feast, and when he shows up, he hasn't prepared himself for what he is at. He's just showed up, okay? So he's not come to honor the, the host. He has not come to received from the host, he's just showed up. He's not dressed correctly for the, what he, whatever dress he was supposed to do. He just, he just haphazardly took it casually and showed up. Then Jesus uses this verse and says, many are called, few are chosen. When you look at this in the context of what's said there, the idea is, is that, look, the reason this guy was not chosen is because he wasn't prepared to be chosen. Being chosen has nothing to do with God picking and choosing who he wants. Being chosen has to do with availability. Being ready to be chosen. Being ready to go. Go wherever. You know, when I started in my Christian faith, and God's reminded me of this a lot over the years. I mean, hardly a time goes by that he doesn't remind me about this. That I told him that, God, I give you my life. And whatever you want to do with my life, I'll do it. Well, sometimes God asks us to do stuff that we don't like, right? You know, like people you think about killing instead of forgiving, right? Or hurting or having vengeance on. 
And God says, no, go, I want you to forgive. And I said, well, Lord, I don't want to forgive. He says, well, wait, let me remind you what you said. You give me your life. I've had countries I've gone to that I did not want to go to. But God told me to go. I went, and I did it joyfully. Because, you see, it's only, when you're, it's only when you're willing and obedient do you eat the good of the land. It's not just when you're obedient. The willingness has to be there. You want to experience the goodness of God, then you and I have to be available. We have to be willing. We have to say, yes, Lord. I not only want to be called to the party, I want to be chosen at the party, so I'm going to be ready to be chosen at the party. Can you say amen? The cool thing about God is, is that God is in the business of making holy garments from flawed material. I love that idea. He just takes stuff that, you know, when if you went back, and I mean, you see me now, my life now and who I am now. But I mean, if you go back to my high school days and you were to look at me, you'd be like, whoa. Spaced out, drunk. My hair was down to here. I mean, not that that's indicative of anything. Uh, I wouldn't mind having that back, actually. But, you know, I mean, my life, I didn't, I, I was a mess. I mean, and even on the outside, and I had all the basketball stuff and, you know, the the stuff I worked so hard in my life to do and, and was able to accomplish really some pretty incredible things. But the problem was is, is that what was going on internally was so great that it was just constantly holding me back from where I could go. I couldn't go any further because I couldn't see myself getting any further than where I was at. And I put all these limits on my life. See, God takes flawed stuff. He's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people that are flawed and that he takes flawed material and he makes perfect, absolute, holy garments out of them. Can you say amen? So we have to take those limits off. So here's a limit we have to take off. One is saying, who am I that God would use me? Well, it doesn't matter who you are. It means what matters is God calls you. Get yourself ready for what God wants to do. And I'm talking in respect to where are we going next year? Where is your life going next year? Another limit, which I think is a big one, especially for my, you know, my age group and up, is, is that we start thinking, well, I'm too old, or I, I'm, I'm too old to be able to do anything. You know, I've already done my time. It's time for people like Dakota or Stephen or others that are much younger. You know, Shayla, these guys can all pick it up now because I'm older. Well, here's my thing. You're either green and growing or you're ripe and rotten. So lose the old idea, okay? Because you're not too old. You're not too old. You're never too old. You're never too old to serve. You're never too old to be available to God, to be used by God. Amen. So get those limits out of your life. All right, number two. God said, look, you go and I will bless you. You go and I will bless you. So let me give you a really powerful point with this. One of the key contributors, now stay with me here, one of the key contributors to your faith is your environment. Watch the, now you can't control what everybody says to you, but you can control who you listen to. And you want the right people around you. And that's why God took him out of these people of the, you know, or of the child, his family. He took him away from his whole family. I mean, he's like, okay, you've got to get out of here. Why? Because where I want you to go you're not going to be able to do it where you're at. So he leads them out. So one of the key 
one of the key contributors to your faith. Because it's very difficult when you are believing God for something to be in an environment where others are not. So they're constantly speaking against it. They're creating that environment. So what we have to do is that, you know, there, I believe this firmly, that there are just some of your friends you need to cut. They just need to be cut. I mean, not that you're like eliminating them from your life, but that they're not having that influence over you anymore. They're not hearing your deep, dark secrets and things in your life. You've cut that off. You have to, here's the key to this, you have to, you have to let go to lay hold of. You, you can't do everything, all right? You just can't. So it's like people will tell me, you know, they're like, man, I'm going to start an exercise program. I'm going to work out every day. And I always, here's my first thing I'll say. I'll say, that's awesome. What are you giving up? Because see, you, if you couldn't do it already with where you're at, that means you already got your schedule full. So you, you're going to have to cut something out right? Something's got to go so you can add to. You can't, you can't lay hold of until you let go of where you're at right now. So I'm going to do this. I want to I start a new business. Well, you can't do all this other stuff and start that new business. So you're going to have to let go of some things that you're already doing. Does everybody understand that? That's hard for us because we want it all, don't we? We want to be able to do it all, have it all, man. We just want to, I mean, everything to fit in. And you know, you, and you can for a little bit. You can for a little bit. I mean, everybody does it every year. Make all these great resolutions. I'm going to do this and this. And, and I'm just using working out. But, but, you know, I'm going to work out. And you'll do it for 30 days, if that. And then all the stuff that you were already committed to is going to take over. And that'll be that. So you have to take off the limits. So here's some limits that we could take off with this one. You go and I'll bless you. Here's a limit to take off. I've always done it this way before. Yeah, but did it work? If it didn't work, then no, let it go. If what you're doing right now is not getting you where you need to go, then you've got to let go of it. It's hard for us to do that because we're creatures of habit. So we like the comfort of, you know, control. I, we talked about this on Christmas Eve that, you know, we want, look, in our world, we want predictability. And it's years like this that we find out that not everything is as predictable as we think it is. Things can get turned upside down globally in a week. In one week, we've never, I've never, I've never had that happen. I mean, 9-11 was a big deal, obviously. But it didn't affect the world the way that it, it affected New York especially, but it affected, you know, our world. But this affected the whole world. I mean, I know the stock market shut down there for a while, and I know people, but everybody went back to work, and everybody went back to their regular lives, and all the restaurants stayed open, and people could go do whatever they, and we got back in the routines, and, and actually, they were telling us, get back in the routines. Your kids need the routines. Remember all that in 9-11? I remember all that. I mean, it was, a, it was a big deal. They need stability, so get them back into the stability of things. Get in church. Get them in school. Get them in all these things. And because we need life to go on. This year, bam, it didn't go that way. And so it's not, it wasn't predictable. And we like predictable. But here's what we have to do. We have to remember that where we are right now, 
And what we're dealing with right now, we cannot lock into this whole idea that I've got to, right now, you don't want to lock into the idea I've got to get things back to where they were before. Because you've changed. I'm going to tell you a little secret. Maybe you, you, you may not want to hear this or not, but I'm telling you right now, the things that you've learned to go without, you're probably not going to want back. You might think you want back, but they're not going to be the same. And some of that's people. Thank you for that one grunt. You and I are a lot better at telling God what we can't or won't do than we are what we will do. So what we have to do is surrender and say, God, where you lead me, I will follow. <laughs> Wherever you lead me, I will follow. I'm going, God. Because, see, that's where the blessing is, right? That's where God's going to bless us. And so what this does for you and I is it puts us in this state of humility in our lives, which is going to lead right into my next point here. It puts us in this state of humility in our lives that, look, I don't have all the answers. I don't have everything figured out, but I know who does, and I'm going to turn to him. Number three, I will bless you, God says, so that you can be a blessing to others. And that was always God's intent. So when we're going to talk about limitless faith, we're talking about, look, not just faith so you can get more stuff. You got stuff. What we're talking about is a limitless faith so that you and I can be a blessing to others, to be able to help others. Because the, the greatest thing that we are is, is that we are a resource for God to use to bless the world, to help the needy, to help the poor, to help those who are struggling and those who are suffering. You and I, as my pastor would have said for years, John Osteen, you cannot give what you do not have. You can't give what you don't have. I mean, how many of you have ever, you don't need to raise your hand, but you've sat in an offering and you really wanted to do something, but you didn't have it to be able to do. You couldn't do what you wanted to do. It was such a huge need and you wanted to do more. Well, I want you to start thinking about that. Look, God will resource us to be a blessing if that's our attitude that God, look, you bless me, I will bless others. I'm not going to make this all about me so I can say I got a bigger house, I got more property, I got better cars than others. That's not what this is about. My attitude is, God, I want to be blessed so that I can be a blessing to others. And I think, too, and I don't mean this, I know this can be a little controversial, but I think some of that is to bless our families. You know, our kids, to bless our grandchildren, to bless our... Look, as we are being... God is resourcing into us. We're being a blessing to the people that are around us. Our neighbor, our friends, people we know are hurting, our church. That we are, we are really working to give what we do have. And so as we do that, God says, I will bless you so that you can bless others. What this does for you and I, and it's, it's so powerful, is it, listen, it takes this limit of self-centeredness off of our lives, where it becomes more about us. And you know, they say that, I mean, all, all of the real, in psychiatry, say that's the key to getting people out of depression and discouragement is get them off of themselves. The more you ponder your life, the more discouraged you'll get, the more sad you'll get, the more you look at helping others, the less sad you'll be. So, you know, you show me someone that's depressed, I can tell you right now, uh, and don't take this as an offense uh, if you're depressed, but it's somebody that's depressed, they're not helping others. I can tell you right now. They're upset about their own life and what's going on in their life. 
So you want to bust that cycle in your life. You have to stop being self-centered. That's the enemy. That's what he wants you to do is to become all about you and all of what you need and all of what you have so that you're always asking for blessing. I need, if I get this, if I have this, if God does this, then I'll have. And the truth is, is that you, look, you're a river flowing out to people. God's using you. Amen. And I think the other thing that we have to eliminate in this, another limit, is the lack mentality. It is not humble to be poor, to be broke. Humility is, is that I recognize what I have is not mine. I'm a steward of everything. I may have it, but I don't own it. It's his. It's his to use as he sees fit and what he says. God does not want us to have a lack mentality that we got, you know, just give me, you know, the, the, one of the old songs out of the South, give me a, just give me a cabin in glory land. That's nonsense. God wants to bless you. Everything he says in his word is about blessing you. And when blessing comes, increase comes. Everybody say that. Blessing, blessing. leads to increase. Blessing, blessing leads to increase which should lead to you and I being a blessing to others. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 in the Amplified Version says this, and God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable, charitable donation and charitable donation. So God wants to make provision in his life. I came across these little phrases. I thought they were kind of cute. If it's his will, it's his bill. Okay? If it's his will, it's his bill. God doesn't say to you, okay, well, it's my will, but you've got to come up with your own resources. God will give you the resources. Everything in the scripture tells us that. Where he leads, he feeds. Where he guides, he provides, exactly. Billy Graham said it like this, and I think this is so powerful. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you. God will lead you into things, and he will cause his grace to abound to you to help you in that situation. So I will bless you to bless others, point four. And uh, this is where it really gets down to the rubber meeting the road. And God says to you, why not you? Why not you? There are no limits in God. So why not you? Why, what limits are you putting on God and why not today eliminate the limits? Say no more, no more. Ephesians 3.20 in the Amplified. Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly. Everybody say super abundantly. Man, I love that. Super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. There are no limits in God. So here's our things we got to take off. Small thinking. Small thinking. We have to take it off. Small thinking. Our opinion must shift to God's opinion. Our thoughts must shift. You know, the Isaiah 55, and uh, I quote it often, but it says, God says, look, it's my thoughts, not your thoughts. My ways, 
not your ways. As high as the heaven is from the earth, so are my ways from your ways and my thoughts from your thoughts. But he doesn't leave it there. He say, well, you can't think like I do. He says, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, it returns not thither but waters the earth and makes it to bring forth into bud to give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. He says, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty or void or without power. What we have to do is change the opinion. We have to change our, our opinion to God's opinion. I want you to think of all the things in your life right now you're saying, I can't do. I want you to think of all the things in your life that people have told you you can't do. I want you to think of all the things that have the word impossible written all over them. And then I want you to think like this. Impossible is only a word. And that word is not greater than God. It is not greater than God. You know, when you look at, um, you look at, like, I want to talk about Stephen here for a minute. Stephen and Elizabeth, okay? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Flood comes. Their home is in the flood zone in Midland. Their house is totally flooded. Four feet up, was it? Three feet up? Four and a half feet up. The house is flooded. It's ruined. They try to get in and fix it, but there's just no way that they can fix it. Insurance companies are saying you're not covered under the flood. Stephen and Elizabeth, their insurance guy walked in and said, you're covered under the flood. Yeah. Paid for their house, paid for the house they had, paid it off at the bank, right? So they were debt free on that. And then they got exceeding abundantly above that. And so now what can they do? They can go buy another house. I want you to think of all the people in our church, and I don't have time to go through the whole list, that they actually bought houses this last year in a pandemic, in the midst of, when people said, don't do anything, you can't do anything, jobs are... Why? Because they took the limit. They didn't allow what was being said around them to put limitations on them that you can't do that. What they did is said, no, we're not going to have small thinking. We're going to have big thinking. So I want you to think, you know, there were all kinds of people saying, oh, you'll never... The, the insurance, they, I know they said it. The insurance companies won't do it. They won't, you know, that's not, they won't follow through. His neighbor, the insurance guy came in and said, we can't help you. You're, you're toast. You lose it all. But see, look, when you and I take that small thinking limitation, we got something greater than the world to lean into. We got something greater than politics to lean into. We got, <laughs> I wish I could get a good amen. We got something greater than the stock market and our retirement and Social Security to lean into. We have God. We have an unlimited God. Impossible. He just says, oh, I love that word. I love it. Give, give that project to me. I love that because I'm going to show everybody that I'm a God that can do impossible things in impossible circumstances. Amen. Take the limits off this year. Change your opinion about yourself. Begin to view yourself the way that God views you. And see from his word that he says, look, this is who you are. This is who you are to me. This is what you can do. I'll wrap up here because I'm running out of time. But I want you to just, uh, just to be thinking about this for yourself. When you know who God is, what God has and what God will do, okay? So those three aspects. 
who God is, what God has, and what God will do. Faith begins where the will of God is known. There's no doubt about it. Now, what, ex what happens when we know who God is, what God has, and what God will do, it is automatically reflective into our soul that now we know who we are, what we have, and what we can do. If we don't think God can do that, then we don't think we can do that. If we don't think that's who God is, then we don't think that's who we are. Mm. So what we have to do is we have to view God in the purity of who he is, what he has, and what he will do. And if it's in your Bible and it says that's who God is, and that's what God, look at Jesus, look at the life of Jesus, see who God is, the Father. He revealed the Father according to John, the John's Gospel. He said they brought him out in the open for everybody to see what God's, the Father God is really like. So view him, view God, the Father, as you would look at Jesus in the life that he lived. You see who God is, what God has, what God will do. There is, as we get into this, we'll talk more about it, but there is unlimited wisdom that is available to God's people. There's unlimited power that's available to God's people. And don't buy into all the nonsense of the world that says you don't have it, you can't get it, you'll never get any better. Because I'm telling you, if you'll take the limits off of this in your life and have limitless faith, which comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God, all things are possible. Amen? I want you to stand with me if you would. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word, Lord God, that is at work. Um, Lord, we praise you for your faithfulness to your word. And uh, we thank you, Lord God, that you are moving, Lord, in the lives of your people. And Father, as we take this word into 2021, Lord God, we contemplate the unlimited resources of who you are that is available for us. In Jesus' name. And all those agreed said, amen. amen. The way I want to finish up, thanks, yeah. The way I want to finish up this morning is we're going to go ahead and dismiss, but uh, I would like uh, Dakota, if you and Kara would come up, and I, I think what I want to do is anybody that wants anointed, just you want oil, the oil doesn't, you know, the oil's oil, okay? But the, the symbolism of it is, is that you're saying, Lord, I'm surrendering to whatever in my life for this coming year. If you'd like anointed with oil in the service here today, I want to be able to do that. There's oil right